0: Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We're on to episode 21 now, which is amazing. So thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. Uh, If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger. Uh, We also hope you're holding up okay at the moment. The current podcasts are all being recorded whilst everybody's in isolation. So Hopefully they provide a bit of escapism for you. We love doing it, so as long as you like listening to them, we'll be doing them. Uh, We're committed to bringing you loads more guests as well from the motorsport paddock, and we're thinking up some other ways to keep you entertained as well. So do make sure you keep an eye out on our socials. This week, we're chatting with the Williams Formula One team reserve driver and Formula Two racer, Jack Aitken. He joined us from his home in London to chat all about his life so far and his big plans for the future.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Motormouth podcast. Um, I want to start with a quick message of thanks. We're quickly closing in on 15,000 listeners across 30 odd countries, which is a big milestone uh, for us. Um, So we're very grateful for every single person that downloads the show. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review uh, on your chosen podcast player. It makes a big difference to people finding us and having the opportunity to hear from big names in motorsport, much like our guest today. Before we introduce him, I have to hop all the way over to sunny Essex to bring in the man, The myth, the legend, and more importantly, my co-host with the oversized shoes, Harry Benjamin. Hi, Harry.
0: Hello, Tim. You really need to stop with the oversized shoes business because I'm getting a lot of weird messages of people just sending me pictures of their feet. So, <laughs> no, uh, you're would not. not have. You are uh, not. <laughs> yeah, I had someone. Cause, like, you, every every episode begins with some 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 sort of allusion to me having big feet, and then uh, I end up getting DMs on Instagram with people taking pictures of their feet next to like a Sky TV remote or something like that. This, could, this could be uh, some
1: sort of social campaign. We could compare your feet to different F1 trophies. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apart from that, I'm doing all right. Trying not to lose my mind in lockdown. Yeah. But, um, yeah keeping calm and carrying on good good yeah it is it is getting a bit ridiculous now I think we all want it to end but um, I think we Mm -hmm. might be here for some time Um, right shall we get on and introduce today's guest so um, this week we're joined by uh, the hugely popular Jack Aitken Um, Jack is on a fast trajectory to a full-time F1 seat he's a a serial championship winner in the junior categories and just last year was appointed as a test driver for the Renault F1 team um, working closely with the man whose surname I can't produce but the first name is Cyril I'll let Jack take care of that one side his f1 duties uh he he drives uh for campus racing in f2 where he snatched three wins including one at silverstone last year in february this year he made the switch to williams um we look forward to hearing all about him and his plans and his opinions it's a pleasure to have him a big motormouth welcome to jack aiken hello jack Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. welcome. to
0: the show, Jack. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how is lockdown treating you so far?
2: Uh, mixed. It's, um, I'm almost uh, treating it like a bit of a training camp just because there's not a lot else yeah. to do at the moment.
0: Let's dive straight back to the beginning of that's what we always do we, with all of our guests. We like to, uh, basically run through, through their, their careers and how they got to where they are and, and what the next steps are. So how did it all start for you? You're obviously incredibly young as well. Still, So still very much on an upward
2: trajectory with your career, but how did it all start for you? When did that racing bug fight? So I started racing when I was seven. Um, which we had to lie about my age because technically you have to be eight years old when you start in the UK racing carts. <laughs> naughty, um, naughty indeed. Yeah, That's tough, a fake ID. Don't, uh. <laughs> don't do that if you're an aspiring uh, racing driver. No, it was um, just because I'd been to a few like birthday parties um, with uh, carts involved, and I really wanted to do more. So I kept bugging my parents to go back, and uh, eventually. They said, well, it's ridiculous. We should just, you know, get a cart and start doing it, um, regularly. So that's what we did and, um, kind of just treated it like a, um, it was a nice weekend out for the family. Cause my brothers started racing a bit as well in carts, um, and then started taking it a bit more seriously when I was probably 12 or 13 and started doing international competitions and that kind of thing. And, uh, it was all pretty, pretty standard from there, um, you know, moving up the, the categories and jumping into single seaters when I was, uh,
1: 17, I think. So yeah. And where was, where was home in these early days when you, when you were going through karting? Where were you living? I think you're London based now, but where were you back then? So I was London based then I've, uh,
2: grown up in London and was born there. Um, but I'm now based in Oxford to be closer to Williams, because, right. so it just makes the commute a bit easier.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Is there any um, racing blood in the family? Obviously, you have sort of found casting through, you know, various birthday parties, stuff like that. And you say your brothers sort of got into it from that, at that age as well. Was there any sign of it, you know, with your parents or or, or, or further afield?
2: Um, I mean, both of my parents are petrol heads, um, but they've not really got much of a racing history. So my dad is uh, Scottish. Um, And, you know, Scotland have a bit of a history with uh, Formula One and he grew up watching F1 a bit as well. Um, I think he even did some like club racing at one point, which is why he always tries to give me tips. And I always (laughs) take them, obviously. Um, But even my mum is really into her cars. So as a family, we we always watch Top Gear on a Sunday night. Um, back when it was, you know, actually good. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, yeah. what do you make of
1: the What do you make of the new lineup? Are you a fan? I don't watch it. I don't watch it anymore. Um, I don't think
2: I, I've
0: watched it since since the Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Rich Tam and James May left. I, I think I watched one episode yeah. with like Matt LeBlanc, and I was like, oh, no.
2: I gave the first season a chance, and yeah. I, I watched it. But just the fact that, well, that lineup, I don't think you could beat it. And uh, as well, the fact it's not on TV, just like the fact it was. Sunday night, 7pm or 8pm, um, you sit down and have your dinner in front of TV, that was like the family thing, especially after the F1 earlier in the day, so you can't really beat that.
1: And uh, what what are you doing with, with your time at the moment? Are you managing to get in any of this sim racing action? I, I know that you've taken part in one or two bits and pieces and you've been involved with the race. Are you taking this seriously, treating it as a bit of fun or you know, how, how are you finding the whole sim side of things?
2: Sadly, I'm trying to take it quite seriously um, (laughs) because it's like, it's the only thing that that we can do to get any practice in at the moment. Um, But I keep getting absolutely clobbered. So I need to put in some practice. I really, I never really, um, although I do a lot of simulator work for, I have done for Renault and I'm doing it for Williams. um, I'm really, really not, uh, I don't get on with um, stuff like R-Factor and iRacing. I really struggle and then uh, we'll have a the guys full, uh,
0: rig set up like a proper, um, you know. I brand do, yeah.
2: Well, what the brand is. It's um, well. It's actually my brother's setup because he's more. He's quicker than I am on the sim because he spends um, <laughs> a bit more time doing it than me. But um, yeah, we have a, pro- a decent setup, and yeah, you know, I'm trying to do more practice, but find it quite tough. It's quite different to the real thing. Yeah. You've obviously
0: spent a lot of time in in you know uh, Formula 1 simulators as well, which obviously uh, uh, must be a level up from that. What is because you know, you're never going to recreate that that real feeling, are you? Or can you? Is it how how far away is a Formula 1 spec simulator to driving the real thing?
2: Um they're pretty good nowadays. The the thing that is always missing is the uh, the G force. Yeah. Um and the way that you can read that cuz the more G force you have the more grip you have and you interpret that as you're, as you're driving the car, um, and you can't get that with a, a simulator in a room that's relatively static. Um, but they're very, very accurate in terms of um, you know, how the engine behaves, how the tires behave. Um, if you put in the right inputs, it will behave very much like what happens on track. So you can use it as a tool. The first time I drove um, a current F1 car, in 2018, I remember thinking that down, the steering really feels exactly the same as the simulator. So yeah. it, it does prepare you to an extent.
1: Yeah, I, I, guess, it, I guess it prepares you, but that, that we've discussed this with some of our previous guests. Um, Sebastian Buemi, we, we talked a, a little bit about the first time that he got inside an F1 car and that it was just a, a different level to anything he's been in before. Did, do you share that view? Is it, is it really sort of above and beyond anything else that's, that's on a racetrack?
2: Um, I probably don't have as much authority to say that as Sebastian because he's driven lots of other stuff like LMP1 Formula E um, whereas I've only driven single-seaters of some description but it's hard to imagine how you can get from a point A to point B quicker than in Formula One cars mm. um, and not only that because um, actually the speed is, is just a relative thing you know Formula One cars nowadays are pretty much as quick as they've ever been but Five years ago, they weren't that quick, yeah. uh, really. <laughs> and um, they were still epic to drive just because a Formula 1 car is bespoke. It's unique. E- everything is made uh, pretty much to the way that you want it to be. Yeah. And everything is refined to be as good as it can be. And that really has an impact on how it feels to drive. Yeah. Um, you can build a Formula 2 car that's as quick as a five-year-old F1 car, it will still feel like a bag of crap compared to the F1 car um, because it's built not mass produced, but it's built to a spec. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, that's, what's quite special about F1, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And well,
0: speaking of your, uh, your single seater career, um, pretty pretty decent. 2015 was sort of, was what you know, described everywhere sort of your breakthrough year, really, wasn't it? But, you know, before that, Formula Renault 2.0, Euro Cup, eight podiums in that and titles Formula Renault, Alps Championship um, among others and then that 2016 joining the Renault uh, Sport Academy um, talk us through that sort of journey and, and how that opportunity came about through those, those uh, early single-seater days So
2: 2015 was a uh... Interesting year for me because it was the first year that I didn't have um, school studies alongside my racing as well. Because uh, in the early years, I was still doing GCSEs, A-levels, and okay. my parents always said, you have to, you know, if you do well, well in your exams, you can do what you want. Yeah. So you made Otherwise. it all the way to A-levels and then, and then stopped and then yeah. focused on, on the racing. Yeah, so they, nice. they wanted me to go to uni as well. Um, really? I managed to convince them that I should take a gap year. <laughs> which has turned into multiple it's years Gap Yard Gap Yard actually just quick quick tangent what A-levels did you do? I did I had no idea what I wanted to do so it's a full spectrum I had um, maths and physics on one side and history and art cool. on the other side oh punchy yeah. <laughs> and, ha- and dare I ask how you fared <laughs> two A's and two B's oh Boy, solid not bad, yeah. I, not think, bad at all. I think
1: this might be the most intelligent racing driver we've had on the show I think well, Nico uh, Rosberg. Oh, he's it, in, he? he's very yes. intelligent,
2: isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's got a degree in, um, in something, some sort of engineering, probably. Um, so, well, Oliver so he did think... as well. Was a, what? He was a. Oxford oh, he's a Cambridge, Cambridge graduate. I think he's
0: a Cambridge graduate, isn't Cambridge, he? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay well so, You've just gone well, down. Well, down well, the, you've
1: gone down the ladder <laughs> a bit
2: there.
0: Yeah, you you you've knocked yourself down from yeah. there. So you're somewhat well, intelligent. We'll give you that. Um, <laughs> I I'm average. Yeah. Average, average. Well, you did pretty well at air levels. And then, so then, then there was the gap year, which has turned into an indefinite gap year, really uh, focusing on on that racing. So you were saying, so your 2015 was, was an interesting year.
2: Yeah. So there was the first time that I could really dedicate a lot of time to Mm -hmm. racing because before then I thought, well, I do my studies in the week and if I have to sometimes on the weekend as well, but uh, I can separate the two, but really it's very difficult to do that um, because, I think to be really um really skillful that's something you have to be able to dedicate a lot of your free time to it not not just uh, consciously but also if i've got history maths art uh, physics all bouncing around up here there's not much chance i'm going to be spending free time daydreaming about that set of tires that went on for the last test or um wing levels or whatever you know yeah yeah and it does make a difference in the end so I just found myself in a much, um, it, it was all coming to me a lot easier in 2015. And that's what helped get to the, those titles. Yeah. Um, and then with the academy, um, I first had a chat with them actually only after I'd won the championship. Um, so I didn't even know that this, well, I heard rumors that they were, Renault were coming back to F1 and they were going to have an academy, um, but no one had really clarified it. Um, and it was a bit of an uncertain time for that championship as well, because Renault were also rumored to be pulling out of World Series, uh, which was obviously part of that whole package. And, yeah. Um, so we won the championship in here F And then afterwards I got invited into the Renault uh, truck and uh, they sat down and said, um, so we are going to come back to F1. We're looking to build an academy. Da-da-da-da. We'd like you to come to, to Viri and uh, we can have a chat. Amazing. Um, And it all sort of kicked on from there. But they actually told me when I went to that chat at Viri, they said, um, you know, we've been talking to drivers for like six months, uh, but you were so far behind in the championship at the halfway (laughs) point, we didn't even consider that you might win. And uh, and that was the year you had a a very mixed season
0: where you you really sort of got on it at the end, wasn't it? What, what, What changed in that season where suddenly you were able to claw your way back to the top?
2: Uh, I think not a lot changed in that. Um, we were quick from the start, like all through testing, we were quick, went to testing and the early rounds, we had some bad luck. Um, I made some mistakes and I also, I I broke my back in uh, a race in Monza, Um, not in the Euro cup, but in the Alps um, in a crash. Um, so I had to take a couple of weeks off, but, um, no, I just got a bit of momentum and other Mm. people started making mistakes as well. Um, so although I had a very good run at the end of the year, I think I had something like seven podiums and eight races. Um, It was helped by other people slipping up as well, Uh, and I had a very good final round at Haraf as well. When
1: when they were taking, when they pulled you to one side, so "Come in the truck for a minute, Jack. Want to have a quick word?" Did you have an idea what was coming? And when, when the words came out of their mouth, (laughs) "We're going to get into Formula One," or "Staying in Formula One," and we we want you to join our program, did you think what what was that? What was going through your head? Did you fall off your chair and just think, "This is it. This is this is my route to Formula One," and and was it expected?
2: I would say it wasn't ever really expected because I'd heard um, the rumours were were going around, like I say. Um, But I was so focused on trying to make up the ground that I'd lost in the Championship at that time um, that I just wasn't really thinking that much about it. Uh, And then when I did get taken through it, it it took even a month or two after meeting them and having that first uh, sit-down to really process what was happening Um, so it wasn't until the start of 2016 that I really realized the opportunity that I was getting
1: which was obviously massive yeah huge, huge opportunity and then just fast forwarding a little bit um through 2017 with gp3 and rgp um wins in hungary poles in barcelona and so on um I, i'm i'm curious to bring it up to um more recent history with formula one and obviously you're parting with Renault, um and then your subsequent little cheeky teaser in february on your socials um to say that i think it was the 4th of feb you were going to announce something new and then we all discovered that you were you were moving across, hopping across to, to Williams. Uh, can you add any colour to, to that whole part of your, your life? Are you able to talk about why you left Renault and, and why you chose Williams? Yep. I mean, um, so Renault I had... Yes, we never get that old, hey. huh? <laughs> Well,
2: it's yes, but... Oh, no oh. He giveth yeah. then he taketh away. Uh, to keep teasing you. No, yeah. um, I mean, I think it was... Almost a natural progression. I know it, I, I got a lot of uh, questions and comments um, afterwards about that because it doesn't look like a very orthodox move. Um, but a few things played towards it. I mean, one was that I'd spent four years with Renault. Um, I joined pretty fresh. Like I said, 2015 was just my first year out of school, even so. Um, I had quite a lot to learn as a as a young driver, even though. Um, you know, I've been racing then for three years in single seaters. I didn't know how to compete uh, at the top level. I didn't really know how to take care of myself. I didn't know anything about dealing with a master, a company of 800 people, um, in F1 and, uh, from year one to year three, year four, the amount that I learned from Renault was was huge, yeah. uh, invaluable. It was um, really, really good for me on a, a number of fronts, uh, not just making me able to lap faster, although there's always a bit of that, uh, but it was just everything else. I learned how to take care of myself in the gym. Uh, when I was traveling on the road, I learned how to manage myself with people in a team how to get the most out of opportunities. If uh, if the engineers at Renault said, can, can we help with anything, you take them up on it, obviously, and it's stuff like that. Uh, and then there is obviously getting the opportunities to drive old F1 cars first and then the current stuff, um, having responsibilities in the team, being test driver and reserve driver. Um, so... All of that was, was huge for me, but come the end of year four, um, you know the team was in a position where they had two extremely good drivers, uh, and another good one coming on uh, for this year. Um, I was at the the top of the academy in terms of um, experience and um, you know um, pecking order, if you like, um, but there wasn't really anywhere for me to go. And although there were opportunities to carry on, um, I just didn't see the progression that I wanted. And I also felt like I'd learned a lot. Um, I'd taken almost as much as I could from that program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was, um, you know, there was just, it was unclear what was going to happen in the next couple of years. Yeah. So. We we had a look and saw that there were opportunities elsewhere. And in particular, Williams were very, very straightforward, I would say, in that um, I had contact with them from the end of the year and sort of, um, you know, went through the usual courting process or whatever. Um, I ended up eventually... Um, going to meet them. And they said, look, we would love to have you in the team. We would love to have you help us by being a reserve driver, bringing stuff, uh, your, your experience, what you've learned, um, as a driver from the last few years with Renault, um, and just, uh, you know, help us by being a, a really good test driver and reserve driver and perform an F2. Mm. And then we can see where it goes. And, to me, that was a much more attractive proposition uh, than not really moving forwards at Renault. Yeah. So it comes down to um, Renault were really good for me, but a lot of the reasons that they were good for me weren't valid anymore and yeah. that I'd got what I could from them. And Williams were offering me things that, that Renault weren't. Um, so the progression was was just clear for me there. God, yeah. And so far, I've really enjoyed it um obviously there's not been a lot to do yeah yeah Um, it it must be um, such a
0: strange situation not just for you but for for everyone in that paddock especially you know people in the driving seat. i suppose there's of course nicholas Latifi's is his first year as being the racing driver as well but then you don't get that chance you know for you you want to be performing at the top of your game as much as you can but you can't improve yourself for a race i suppose for for the following season but you literally can't do that so what happens is is this year just is it just You know, pause, and we'll we'll restart. You know, next year or from whenever we get going. How does that affect things from a a, a, your mentality kind of way and and career progression? I suppose everything just has to come to a stop.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think the answer is we don't really know yet, especially in terms of the things like the career progression where it's a bit more long term. Mm. Um, I think otherwise, I'm just trying to approach it that we know that the season will restart and um if anything you kind of expect or prepare that it will start quite soon because it could be as soon as a month month and a half it might be as long as three four months you just don't know but if you if you make sure that you're always ready Mm. um that's all that you can do, really, and we're just dealing with lockdown like everyone else. So, yeah. yeah. Did you um, did you make it out
0: to Australia? Are You with the team at every? Was that, was that the plan for you to be with the team at every race? Yeah.
2: Yep. So I am travelling to every race this year. Yeah. Um, and I was in Australia, so it was a bit of a weird experience. Yeah. Very strange. Um, yeah. We had. Yeah. Um,
1: we well, I do some work with some brands in F1, and we had um, some clients um, at their hotel in Melbourne um, getting in the car to go to the track when they heard that it was cancelled and you know they'd come from Europe they were devastated um, you know for all the fans that were there I think there were people queuing outside the um, the gates weren't there re- sort of ready to go in it must have been a hugely disappointing experience to go through but you know obviously we've got to put the public safety first
2: yeah I think uh, I mean it's a subject that's been spoken about at great length already um mm. whether or not it was um, a bit of a late decision um but like you say in the end I think common sense yeah was was that we we couldn't um you know especially with how the, the situation was coming out across the rest of the world um you know every other major sport was pretty much
1: putting the brakes on as well so it was um, I mean yeah. I, I felt a l- the mobocracy jumped all over Formula 1 very quickly to say what the hell are they doing but I I had a degree of sympathy for them it's such a complicated thing and it's not as straightforward as just going I'll cancel the race there are so many people involved that it affects from you know governments in Melbourne and the the different stakeholders in Formula 1 the teams the sponsors it's a huge operator I had a degree of sympathy for them but but there we are Um, Jack on on a, 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 a practical level for those that don't know a reserve driver or a test driver for a Formula One team, what does that involve on a sort of day-to-day basis and do you go to all the races, Are you involved in team briefing, engineering meetings and so on, What what what's the nitty-gritty of it?
2: So um, away from the race weekends a lot of time is spent in the simulator um, trying to improve the model and to look ahead towards um, development paths, so that means less looking at which step of anti-roll bar or how many degrees of front wing is going to be best for next weekend and more um you know which direction do we want to go with front wing development in six months time because that's where you'll see bigger gains and it's also what the sim is better at because even with the simulators being as good as they are nowadays it's very difficult to be confident that um half a percent of error balance changes is, is the same in the simulator as it is in real life. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Um I do sort of check in and keep up with um both the the rest of the academy so um you know Dan Roy and Jamie um both will, you know we'll get called in to do marketing pieces every now and then. Um and I'll see them at the racetrack as well. And likewise, for well, people in the team as well, I like to, I try to, um, keep up with, with people where I can. And, um, that pretty much covers it away from the racetrack because I have enough to do with the formula Two preparation as well at the racetrack. If it's just a F1 event where F2 aren't racing, um, I have a lot more time on my hands and I will spend most of that in the briefings with the team. So briefings, start of day, end of day, before session, end of session. Um, I'll try to spend as much time as I can in the garage on the radio headsets, just listening to the traffic going back and forth. Yeah, um, Especially, Coming from a different team because um, they will have different names for the same thing. Right. So it can be quite confusing at first, but getting on top of that. And then, um, yeah, I might have to do some marketing stuff as well, media and marketing bits while yeah. I'm at the track. Yeah. Um, I forgot the when you, internet. Uh, sorry, sorry. Carry, carry on, carry on. When it's an F2 event as well, the only difference is they ask much less of me. It's basically you come when you want. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I've got a lot on my plate on those weekends anyway, so it's much less uh, involved.
1: Yeah, you've got to focus on your own on your own race. Um, I, I forgot you with Jamie. Don't worry, Harry. I'm not going to mention that I used to manage Jamie Chadwick, and it's clearly all her success is down to me. I'm not going to mention <laughs> it. Not Jack,
0: every every podcast episode because Tim in a former life was a racing manager and uh, he every episode he drops some sort of name that if it's, if it's not Jamie Chadwick it's Max Chilton or if it's not Max Chilton it's oh, God yeah. knows else <laughs> um but Obviously, now Formula One and and motorsport can be a very serious place as well. Um, But you like, you know, it's good to to not take things too seriously, which is quite evident from sort of your. I I had a little gander at some of your YouTube videos as well as your social media stuff. You're you're a bit of a joker. I think I even saw Tatia Calderon said you were the funniest person in the paddock. So how much
1: did you pay for her to say that? (laughs) One cake. One One cake. cake. Oh, she's partial to a cake. Can you? Can you? Is it a homemade cake? She's notorious.
2: She's the worst. You really have to watch out for that. Can you? Uh, Can you? Can you bake cakes? Is this an actual thing? uh, I can bake banana bread. Banana um, bread. Actual cakes. Honestly, everyone can't bake can banana, banana bread, bread these things. days. Everyone,
1: <laughs> everyone seems to be eating banana bread at the moment. It seems to be Nothing like the, the lockdown cake of choice, um, banana bread. I tried cookies and they ended very badly. So, mm. yeah, it's just banana bread. Ah, fair dues, fair <laughs> dues. Um, listen, there's something very important that we need to do with you, Jack, and I don't know whether you knew this was coming or not, but um, I think it's about this time that we like to uh, involve our guests in the hardest quiz in motorsport, and that's mainly because none of us really, really know the answers, but I will hand over to my esteemed colleague to introduce you to Motor Mouths. <laughs> Do we have music this week? Or yeah, we got music. Right? Yeah. We got music. Okay. Yeah. Alright. So welcome, Jack, to the <laughs> The
0: hardest quiz in motorsport, because I put it together and I never really quite know what the, what the answers are going to be. And it's also not even a fair quiz quest- quiz either, because uh every driver that plays gets different questions. Um but we carry on regardless. Um so I've got four clips to play you. Um and Within each one, there are three points up for grabs. Uh, I need a point for the driver, the place, location, and uh, a bit of context about it. So they're all team radio clips. And this week, you've got four Formula One team radio clips. And then there's a bonus question for an extra point there are 13 points up for grabs if you get a full 13 you're going straight to the top of the leaderboard which is where brendan brendan hartley sits there at the moment with 12 and a half um and Unfortunately, Karun Chandok had a bit of a nightmare and only has three and a half points of
1: places.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Um, so that's the scale you've got the judge. Okay, should we kick off? Can I just say
1: I think uh, th- these are tough questions, Harry. I think you've been horribly, horribly harsh. So if you, you think Yeah, this is I think this is quite a hard one. I think if you top the leaderboard after this you've done incredibly well. Right, I, I, oh, I really was just going to use it marks. as an
0: excuse yeah <laughs> all right let's kick off with clip number one have a listen to this here
1: it comes try a so try yourself <laughs> that's all you get can I get can I get a replay on that you may you can't get a replay here it no. comes you could want no replay <laughs> No, yeah you can't get a replay sorry I thought you said you can't yeah, go yeah on. here it comes Ignore here it me. comes here it comes try a so try yourself <laughs> I can't even hear what he's saying. <laughs> See what I mean? That's that's tough. That is I feel like you've shortened that clip, but yeah.
2: <laughs> ah, who would that be? Um Do you wanna give you um, a clue? This is gonna, gonna be a
0: complete a... I'm gonna yeah, give go you on. before you answer your clue, which is gonna help with all the questions, is that these are all taken from the two thousand and seventeen Formula One season.
2: Oof. Okay. I'm gonna this is a, a guess. For okay, driver, right. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso. That is correct. Yes. Well One done. Bag. Yeah. yeah. Um, about the location? Um, well, I don't actually know what he said, so that's quite <laughs> difficult. Um, um, Barcelona. Mm, yeah. No. No. <laughs>
0: so what the uh, what about the do you have if it's Fernando on the radio what do you think he's chatting about engine GP2 engine yeah so I'll give you yes. that an engine issue it was in Russia and it was Fernando Alonso so you know what That's uh, 2 uh, out of 3 for the first bad. one not bad
1: alright
2: alright all
1: right. ok let's move on to clip number 2 ok bringing it in now
2: guys you really want me to crash huh? stop around I need to 100% focus
1: bit easier, that one, I
2: think. bit longer. <laughs> I think I know the context of that, but I can't... I think it was... Um, was it two teammates battling? But I'm trying to remember who and when. Uh, no, it wasn't quite. It was a battle
0: between two drivers. Oh.
1: <sighs> one more time. This is shocking. Yeah, go on. Here it comes. You
2: guys, you really want me to press, huh?
0: Ooh.
1: He's struggling. He's really hard. He's struggling. See, hardest hardest sh- hardest quiz in I definitely had
2: lost attention at this point in the
1: race. Yes. Um <laughs>
2: God.
1: Uh... I'm, I'm going to pull the pressure on. Here we go.
2: This is I, think I might end up beating
1: Corona. Here. <laughs> um, right, we're gonna have to push you for an answer.
2: Sergio Perez. Oh, yes. what a guess. Really? Oh, yeah. You get that. Perez. Hey, have what about a,
0: a track? Guess a location.
2: Uh spa.
0: No. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Perez You get the point for that It was in Monaco And it was uh, After he'd sort of Half crashed Half overtaken a Toro Rosso uh, And he was having a go At his team For chatting to him On the radio At the same time yeah. um, So you're going to get A point for that So you know We're yeah. three at the moment All you need is one more And you're above Karun right, um, right. Let's move on To let's clip number three Here we go What the,
2: What the mental guys? What was that Fox I think I've got Damage on the following. Do you want it again? Was that, that was one driver, yeah. One driver, one driver, yeah.
1: Yeah. oh God. I think I'd get this one if I didn't know the answer. <laughs> one more time. One more time. Here it comes.
0: What the? What
2: the mental guy? What was that? box? I think I've got that one spot What a <laughs> mental oh, guy? Be, that's That's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Grosjean. Yeah. Um, Oh, but so many races to choose <laughs> from. <laughs> Fair comment. <God, man. laughs> um, uh, trying to remember. So he thinks it wasn't his fault. Um, that doesn't narrow it down. Time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't even re- remember what happened in the 2017 season. This is...
0: It's, it, uh, it is tough when you put on this well, I, 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 I mean... Thank Christ for Formula One YouTube. That's all I'll say. All right, I'll give you the... Tra- so, Grosjean, you get a point for that. Uh, it was, of course, a crash. It was with the Toro mm-hmm. in Canada, where they basically just sort of punted into him and and, and, okay. and claimed it wasn't his fault. Uh, so, you get a point for that. So, you know, you're not last, all right? So, there's still three I'll more, points, there's three still more points and a bonus question up for grabs. So you can call this back and you could, you
1: know, you could... Could fit into the midfield, um, right. Clip number four. Clip number four. Here it comes, and then your misery is over. Here it comes.
2: But well, it's Kimmy, yes, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear what he said.
1: One more time, give it another play. Here we go. I'm going to crank it right up.
2: I don't speak, speak to me. <laughs> Sorry about, so I can't see anything behind, where's mirrors broken or something? Um, what about a track?
0: Have a, have a random guess, see if you can get it.
2: That was the year you had quite a few, um, or a couple of clashes with uh, Mishnapa, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yes. but Not sure if it's anything to do with that.
0: No, I'll, I'll give you a, a little clue. It was to do with your current, Formula One
1: team. Oh, uh, he's struggling. He's rubbing that one. forehead.
0: It would be easier if if this wasn't done over. Uh, if lockdown was not it was not
2: currently happening. <laughs> True. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll just guess um, Budapest. But wow. Yes, correct. Really?
1: <laughs> yes. Your guesses Thanks. are unreal. He's sitting there Googling. That's what's happening here. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah okay. So me, yeah. You, <laughs> I'll give you two for that. So the context for that was uh, Raikkonen was complaining about um, Super Sub Paul Rester, my hero, racing into the oh. one uh, when he replaced Felipe Massa for that one-off round. Um, so that gives you... Okay, well, I'll count up after this. Here's your bonus question, all right? Now, it's not a clip you'd be pleased hear, just a question. Susie Wolfe was the Williams test and reserve driver in 2014, alongside who else? Mm.
2: She was actually testing and reserve, was she? But that's, I believe that's what the, the title says. I didn't know that. It's probably Um, probably wrong. Reserve driver in twenty in
0: twenty fourteen? Did you say twenty fourteen? Yeah, there were two drivers (laughs) labelled as test and reserve drivers. She was one of them. (laughs) Who was the other?
2: I I I mean, this is ironic because I'm thinking there's been so many bloody test and reserve drivers (laughs) over the years, and obviously (laughs) I'm one of them. I'm (laughs) contributing to the problem. I'm trying to remember who was in GP2 that year. If it was maybe
1: someone like that, uh, what's this guy doing now, Harry? Is there a clue we could we could offer I believe
0: that? he is? Um, he's well, he's recently raced. It well, it's a male, and he's recently raced in Formula E, uh, not as a regular driver. Uh, he's dabbled in IndyCar and also mainly racing in um, the IMSA Championship. A bit of a bit of a journeyman of late. <laughs>
1: Is it um, Felipe Naza? Oh, look at that. Yes,
0: that is correct.
1: I will give you that,
0: even though it hints
2: galore. I had quite a few hints.
1: Give him that, that's fine. <laughs> I think he's done well, all right. I, thought, I felt bad
0: because you've, you've, your performance hasn't been great overall. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, gives you an extra point, and that gives you seven points, yeah. um, which that's puts you into... Average. 12th position cool. on the leaderboard, Jack Aitken. Just below, uh, we had Sam from Seen Through Glass, the YouTube channel, and oh, tied yeah. on points with British touring car driver
2: Bobby Thompson. Yeah. So, uh, I used to race Bobby in, um, in carts when we were eight nine ten years old oh so there you go it's come full circle yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you jack for playing motor mouse. the hardest quiz in motorsport do tell your friends i agree yeah. a solid a solid seven points and 12th
1: place mid table not too bad mid table i'll take it i'll take yeah. it Mid-table, Mid-table, table. now listen uh, l- let's bring it back to you so uh question for you if you could share the track with any f1 driver in the history of the sport who would it be and is that person your idol if not who is um, don't really have
2: an idol. Um, just I've got a lot of drivers that I admire, um, but there's not one guy that I'm like um, that I idol idolise. But if I could choose, it would probably be someone from uh, quite a while ago because it's just so different back then. It'd be quite interesting. So someone like Jim Clark, mm-hmm. um, I think, would be pretty amazing, or even Bangio yeah. Those guys had such a different approach to, uh, well, because it was a different sport, basically. So, yeah. yeah, seeing them in action would be pretty cool.
1: Wrestling those cars. Have you ever had an opportunity to drive a historic F1 car?
2: Unless you define 2012 as historic, then no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's quite a while ago.
2: Well, as the years go
0: by. V8. Um, yeah. What advice would you give to someone starting out right now and wants to be a racing driver? maybe wait um, a year. that'll be the first bit of advice and then, uh, and
2: then yeah. <laughs> um, start early like any sport if you can um, but don't take it seriously early I think that's a mistake a lot of people are making um, mm. at the moment because the state of karting is quite um, well when I when I started in karting like I said I didn't take it seriously for like 5-6 years um, I don't think that hurt me but I see a lot of kids now or families who have driver coaches. They do testing during the week. They uh, throw engines and, and tires at it. And, um, you know, the poor kid by the time he's 16 doesn't want to do it anymore yeah. or, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's not nice to see that. Um, mm. So you do it. And if you enjoy it and you, you, you know, you, you still want to do it, you can get more serious about it later, but yeah,
1: yeah and what's best and what does the the future hold for you obviously um you know this year is a slight holding pattern and hopefully we'll see some racing towards the end of uh this year in whatever guise that presents itself um but do you have a longer term plan is there a five-year plan do you do you have in your mind a position that you want to be at in 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 five years presumably a a full-time fully fledged f1 driver
2: uh, yeah, I think it's, it's as simple as that. I think you can't really have a five-year plan in motorsport because it changes, uh, so much, um, year to year. Um, my short-term ambition is just to, to find a race seat and to, to perform. Um, because if you perform and you get results, everything else is easier. That's it's just always the truth. Yeah. So, um, no i mean um i've definitely got um ideas about where i want to end up um and then if i do uh, if i am lucky enough to be an f1 or even if i'm not um i've got equally ideas and things that i'd like to do outside of f1 whether that's um you know endurance stuff or uh racing in america because i did a bit of racing in america before and i really enjoyed it yeah um much more chilled out over there. Yes, <laughs> everyone's a lot nicer. Yes, uh, yeah, um, I could imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and you're obviously um, um, you're obviously very quick in a race car, but what are you crap at? Oh, lots of stuff. <laughs> pretty much everything else.
2: <laughs> my my girlfriend will tell you all about it. <laughs> it's, um, no, I mean I I like to be uh, good at sports in general, but um, I am um, pretty incompetent when it comes to ball sports. Um, so yeah, when I was a kid, actually one of the reasons I enjoyed casting so much was because it was one of the few things that I was actually competitive at. Um, so I'm still used to certain things like football. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, Probably just most things you can think of. Um, I'm probably rubbish Shaq. it's just just racing. I can drive a car.
0: But have you got any hidden talents though? I start well. Racing isn't really a hidden talent. But have you got anything that you can do that you that no one really, no one else really knows about? <sighs>
2: um, Your banana bread skills are really taking off. <laughs> I mean, the banana bread could definitely fall under that. Uh, I feel like (laughs) with the little experience I've had, the results have been quite extraordinary. Um, I dabbled with putting Easter eggs inside the banana bread last week. Great show. Um, And that was was a great success. So you're Uh, keeping up with the motorsport athlete diet as well then? Um, I had just, uh, been training, so technically <laughs> just get the calories and, you know, it doesn't count. The metabolism still high. what well, well, doesn't matter.
0: Um, exactly. <laughs> um, now do you have a, a closest sort of mate in the paddock, you know, whether that's formula two, formula one, or, you know, George Russell, obviously you, you've been teammates with him or is there anybody, can you be friends with anybody in the paddock?
2: Yep. Uh, it helps if you're not, um, Ridiculous. It helps if, if, you're not, <laughs> yeah. if you're not competing directly against them. Uh, it's just easier yeah. for obvious reasons. Mm. doesn't mean you can't. Um, uh, JQs, who I raced against pretty fiercely in Formula Renault and again in GP3, uh, I think we're really good mates still even now. And during that time, we managed to stay good friends as well. Um, Tatiana, um, teammates at Arden, uh, gone really well, and still, still chat. And uh, she was obviously in the paddock the last couple of years doing GP3 as well, f 2 um, and then being in the program. Um, all of the Renault guys, like um, match Future, Christian Lundgaard, um, Victor Martins. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting some some names here, so they're gonna feel. Uh, no, like no, I'm, I'm no. on them, but I'm not. <laughs> all of those guys, um, and Antoine, when he was around, was obviously we were really close yes. because um, you're in a, are all in the same paddock. Mm-hmm. You are competing against each other um, because you were all going for the same seat, effectively in the end. Um, but doing a lot of training camps where you're, you know, burying yourself day in day out, um, and you're staying together, obviously. Uh, that builds up quite a bit of uh, camaraderie, and yeah, it's, um, you carry that into the paddock as well. So that's yeah, nice.
1: And on the on the flip side of that, is there anyone that you've come up against in your career that seems to always be there when you don't want them there, like a nemesis or someone that you seem to find yourself battling against all the time, and think, "Oh, just sod off, will you?" <laughs> Um I mean
2: there've been people who've been around a few times I wouldn't say there's one that's followed me all the way through. Um the closest might be um well George and Alex uh, George Russell and Alex Albon. I raced both of them quite young in karting. Alex probably when I was 10 uh, and he was similar age. Um and he I I say we raced together, but he, he destroyed me. Um, (laughs) he was much, much better than I was then. Um, and obviously was still very competitive when we were racing in F2 and GP3 and stuff like that. So, um, he was always around a bit and in Formula Renault, uh, George, I raced when I was a bit older in carts just for one year. Um, and we actually had a really close battle that year. Uh, he he also beat me then as well. This isn't this isn't looking good for me. But, uh, <laughs> then then we, we were obviously teammates in ART uh, for GP3 and F2. So um, and then he, he beat me there as well, bastard. So. This really isn't looking good. It sounds like Harry could
1: beat you with his big feet at this rate. Yeah. I know.
2: Yeah, I should have really picked someone else, but you know, just being honest. But no, obviously, George is uh, he's an exceptional driver. Yeah. Um, I have plenty of excuses lined up if you're ready to go. If we had an extra half an hour on this podcast, we could go into great (laughs) detail. Um, so, you know, I, I still believe, um, I think you have to have that though. As a, as a racing driver, you have to have an ego Mm -hmm. because if you sit back and say, yeah, you beat me fair and square, that's that's no good. Um, you have to think you're, you're the best always and, you know, justify it to yourself. And be confident in yourself. So, you know, um, yeah, but those two guys probably are the ones that have been around the longest. Um, so, yeah, let's say um, that. It's refreshing to hear that kind of uh, attitude as well. I'm um, changing up
0: a little bit. Obviously, Formula One is that's where you are at the moment. That's, that's you know, that's the big goal. And you mentioned, you know, you had a bit of, you had touches with, uh, with, uh, American, uh, racing as well. Have you looked at other series like, you know, what do you think of formula E or, or IndyCar
2: or anything like that? Have you, have you looked at those
0: and thought, yeah, no, I could definitely
2: switch up and do that. Uh, Formula e, I've, I've done some simulator running, um, just, um, well, yeah, just to sort of see, um, it's so different that it's almost interesting just because of how different that, it is. Yeah. I think the cars are now getting to a point where they're more drivable and the energy systems are more sophisticated. So they're not uh, as big a leap as they were when they were the Gen 1 cars, for example, which were kind of crazy. Mm. Um, and speaking to drivers who raced them as well, it was it sounded like a really tough uh, thing to learn, pretty much new. Mm. Um, but they're still pretty pretty different, and it's a different philosophy of the racing as well, all street tracks quite argy-bargy, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't know it's, it's interesting. It doesn't, uh, have, it's not in it like, uh, the traditional single seaters in that sense. Um, uh, Indy you mentioned, I mean, I got to see them in action when I raced in America and they're quite cool because they're a bit old school. Um, and I think the, the quality of drivers there is really underrated. Um, there's a lot of guys there who are seriously quick. Yeah, agree. Um, and the even though it's a, a spec series, um, the amount of time and effort the the teams, the top teams, put into their cars is quite astonishing. Um, yeah. So it's um, you know not far off from F1 in some respects. And you've got to have seriously big
1: balls to, to race in that. It's um, it's a terrifying championship when you you look at some of those oval races. Um, you, you've got to be a brave character to get inside some of those cars.
2: Yeah. I think, um, it's just a bit of a, every driver will have their their views, and if you're not comfortable with it, um, then obviously it's not a good idea to get in the car yeah. and most people won't. Um, but you get asked that question every day. Oh, you're a racing driver. Do you not find it scary? And it's just, well, um, do you find driving scary? Yeah. You probably did the first time you drove now it's nothing. Um, we do it so often that it becomes nothing. It is still bloody dangerous. Um, you just don't think about it. And the oval racing is just an extension of that. So I'm sure if I went there and and did some oval racing and practice and testing, um, I'd come away after six months and say, yes, it's it's nothing, but obviously, you know, they have big accidents there. Yeah. So it's something to consider, but that's kind of my, my take on it some anyway.
1: of the some of the drivers um pull out of those oval races don't they i know max did he he uh he just dec- i think he decided in the end not to do the oval races um and i can't say i blame him um the uh the, the, we've got a final three questions which we'll we'll chuck at you in a moment before before i do i was listening to another podcast a formula two podcast uh yesterday morning while we were doing some research on it and i heard a little gem that you sleep with your eyes open that's freaking weird
2: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There must be other people out there with this problem. It's not like they're wide open. It's like a little sliver. I'm just watching you. Gina. Who, who,
0: who? Unfortunately,
2: discovered this, or have you been? Have you known it since birth? Or uh, well, my brother and my girlfriend were the ones that supplied that information to the FT podcast. It's great intel. Um, yeah, they're under embargo now. Yeah, but, yeah I bet. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd say that was a hidden talent. Uh, oh, I is. think that would be uh sleeping with your eyes open. I'd go for yeah. that as your hidden talent. Do you challenge not, do, for, do, you, do, for do,
2: you at home. Do, quarantine yeah. challenge. <laughs> you with your eyes. Do you not
1: wake up in the morning with really dry eyes and just can't see? No.
2: God, weird. My eyes, are, I was about to say my eyes are fine. They're not, I've got contacts in and they're plus six or something. So that means I'm basically blind. But oh, Really? Um,
1: no. No. <laughs> sleeping is not an issue for me. God, that's nuts. <laughs> Listen, we've got uh, we've got three more questions which we're going to chuck at you. Quick fire questions. Uh, Harry, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, what's got you excited at the moment?
2: I'm really getting into um, into cycling, which is a really uncool thing to get into, um, but I can't help it. Basically, I've started doing it as training because uh, running all the time was not a great idea, um, and. I'm, yeah, mega into it now. Uh, And there's a few other drivers who are also mega into it. Um, There's probably some correlation with the speed aspect and getting, you know, our kicks away from the track. But, um, yeah. And so so, do you
0: get out for a cycle, I suppose, once a day as per the government regulations?
2: Not quite (laughs) once a day, but, yeah, I try (laughs) to uh, use up my allocated hour. Yeah. just nice to be outside as well We mm, yes. go mad otherwise
1: I know we're so lucky with the weather at the moment as well if it was raining every day I don't know what we'd all do um, if not doing what you're doing now and I'm not talking about being in uh, isolation but uh, if you weren't a racing driver what would you be doing?
2: Uh, probably what most of my friends are doing which is n- no clue and just trying to figure it out and the uh, you know, I, I don't know. I never had a, um, another path really set out for me or in my mind that I wanted to pursue. Um, if I had to go to uni, I would have had to pick something out of the air cause I didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, I've always been interested in competition and sports. So maybe I would have just gotten into something, something else, but, um, yeah, I really, there isn't another life waiting for me it's, uh, it's pretty much all in for the racing
1: It seems to be the way that, that racing drivers are we, we've asked that question we asked these three questions to everybody that comes on the podcast and out of all the drivers that we've had I, I, I don't think any of them have said oh what well, I've been this or you know I've been a doctor or whatever they've been so single minded in their approach and I, I think that's probably one thing that you have to be to, to succeed mm-hmm. in this sport and um, unless you go 100% in you're just not going to get there so um, it seems to be a common thread. Right Harry over to you for our last question of the day unless you chuck yes. in any round random- fourth question no
0: i haven't got any to this week um last but not least what is your undoing what are you scared of jack
2: <laughs> oh uh creepy crawlies mm. uh, that was the first one that came to mind because my girlfriend's australian and right. i've been to australia a couple of times as a result for holidays and stuff and I really, uh, really struggle. And she obviously doesn't at all. Their so. idea
0: of creepy crawlies, I don't think, is the British idea of creepy crawlies yeah. either. Nah. I
2: mean, <laughs> if I if I get ants in my flat, I'm like, no, out. totally with you? Yeah. Obviously, when when we get big spiders, that's that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. But apart from
1: that, sugar. whoa, whoa! Hang on a second. Not back. Back it up. You're, you're scared of sugar?
2: I'm not scared of sugar, but it's my undoing because as soon as I have uh, a little bit, it's like a massive downhill trend. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, like, as soon as I get a little taste of it, for the next week, I'm pretty much like craving it, addicted to it. It's pick and mix at the cinema. Always oh, oh, have pick and mix. Oh, I love a pick and mix. Oh, I love so a pick Big and bag mix. of pick and mix.
1: Yeah, the last yeah.
2: time I went to the cinema with the family, which we do occasionally, I think it was nearly twenty quid's worth of the mix between me and my brother. It's bloody expensive, though, that stuff.
1: It
2: is, yeah. I stole Both it once. I stole it, it once so by good.
1: accident. I, I, you know, sometimes at Odeons and stuff, other cinemas are available. They, uh, they have the the sweets over that side, and then they have the the, the tills over that side. And I forgot to, to take my sweets over to the till and ended up stealing them. And I felt guilty the entire way through the film as I munched <laughs> no, on my sweets. No, they make far too much money anyway. No, they do. <laughs> it's an <freaking laughs> outrage. What was the last film you saw in the cinema?
2: The last film I saw was uh, Ford versus Ferrari or I Le Mans. I haven't Chicago seen that. I, haven't
1: seen that. No, I need to watch that.
2: Yeah. It was pretty good. It fell into that category for me of racing films that are not racing accurate. Mm. Um, but still really enjoyable um, good, because good story. they yeah. told the story really well even though they also didn't stay 100% true to the story but whatever um, <laughs> but they told it really well and the actors were really good and uh, there were some cool scenes so yeah. it got thumbs up from me
1: Excellent Well listen, Jack thank you very, very much for your time I think we've nailed it pretty much on an hour there um, We really hope the season gets going again soon and you get to uh, experience what it's like to uh, to be a full-blown F1 driver in the years to come um, all the best. Thank you very much indeed. And hopefully we'll see you in a paddock soon.
2: Thank you, guys. That was uh, good fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast.
0: Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram, at motormouth underscore official, and on Facebook. Just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and interact with others, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever Motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. We here at Motormouth are a small, independent team. Since starting this podcast just over a year ago, we're reaching over 15,000 of you across 30 countries around the world. We want to bring the biggest names in motorsport to you. Find out about their lives and careers and have a chat about whatever is going on in the motorsport world. We are determined to carry on producing these episodes. However, they do come at a cost. From securing guests to equipment and editing software and expanding the podcast and app that's why we've set up a patreon page where you can help us to carry on doing what we do there are three levels at which you can contribute starting from five pounds a month to 10 or 20 pounds each tier allows you slightly different levels of access depending on which one you choose you can enjoy early access to podcast episodes exclusive member benefits merchandise shout outs and your chance to feature on one of our shows Any support you can give us is massively appreciated and will help us grow and continue to bring cool content to race fans all over the world.